Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, which happens to be DePietro.com. Folks, it's time for Four Stories with Donna Perry. Joining us right now happens to be one, one of my siblings, independent columnist, opinion maker. It is Donna Perry. And DJ, let's start off with this interesting uh, situation with the Crimson and at Harvard. Congress could be wrong. That doesn't mean Harvard is right. Let's let's dive into the continued sure. fallout here. Great. And great to be with you, John. Um, yeah, Harvard's problem with anti-Semitism uh, and all these incidents, which began in the fall, obviously, um, on campus, it's, it's definitely not going away. Um, a couple of things have kind of popped up. You know, it took a little bit of time, a little downtime, or we're not, not been in the news for a little while. So, but now... What has emerged is a couple of things. Um, in reaction to all that, we had, they toppled Claudine Gay, which was certainly in order. Uh, she, you know, left, resigned, and whatever they want to call it. In the mid- So following that, John, they did create what they're saying is a task force on anti-Semitism and try to address it. But you, yep. it, it also needs to be pointed out you know, continuing to almost not recognize the problem, they also quickly set up an equal task force against, like, Muslim, you know, um, mm. uh, against Arab, um, you know, and, and Muslim... Um, bias? Bias, Somewhere. hate, excuse okay. me, and stuff like that. So <clears throat> they have all that. So it's sort of like they, ju- they don't want to really own it in a way. So they have that going on. Well, in the middle of the past few days, the co-chair of the new anti-Semitism task force has resigned. And she is saying um, through what she is learning that the university would quote, not really act on or accept our recommendations. So that doesn't really sound John, like number one, they're running this thing in good faith. Um, And the Harvard Crimson, which is, it is the um, campus paper, but to be fair, they're, you know, they try to do journalism, you know, really well known and they're not, just like a student paper. So they're coming, they're reporting on that. And also they have an editorial where they are pointing out that it was really unprecedented that you have a major congressional, the committee on education, they have subpoenaed communications, which also really obviously means emails, JD, from the university in the time when this was really at a high pitch and you have to go back to the fall Um, And apparently the Crimson is reporting the school has no intention to comply with those, you know, types of subpoenas. Um, They obviously can easily have an army of lawyers and they're going to fight it and the stonewalling and that's what they're implying. So it just seems that um, if you don't want to reveal communications, um, what the paper is questioning is what do they need to hide? What would they trying to hide? And they don't want to reveal. It, it would probably be a trove of, of emails. So um, I would just say, you know, Harvard, John, to make it simple, like it seems like kind of not getting the message. You know, like a right. lot of this was set up to say to the university, no, you do have a problem with anti-Semitism. Yeah. And it was blatant. It was for everyone to see. Um, and there was the stormy hearing, you know, in Congress, which really sealed the deal. I think, you know, we all can agree on Claudine Gay. So that's where that stands. Um, and I don't believe a university can simply just stonewall the Congress. And I would add, John, um, whether it's Harvard or any of these other big Ivy League schools, what sometimes people probably don't realize, but those schools, no matter having um, you know, high tuitions and um, endowments and all this stuff, John, they, they really do receive a lot of funding from the federal government. That's right. Um, and they're allowed to do that, right? And that's yes. how they, you know, have all this matching funding and everything else. So, you know, I think they're, the Harvard Crimson is implying that that would definitely be in jeopardy if they think they're going to just, you know, stonewall uh, I think this is not the last you're going to hear about this face-off with Congress, with Harvard. You know, what's also interesting, kind of Perry, is it, to me it seems like that the people that selected Claudine Gay, that it, it, it's as if they just liked her brand of what yeah. they just wanted to say, this is the president of Harvard. And they, 
because it, it's clear that they they certainly didn't vet her maybe they would another candidate uh it is embarrassing the way she had to step down but i think this starts to and get your thought come into play when it, it's almost a form of identity politics they like the idea of this is who we want to be the face that she's the president of harvard Oh, absolutely, John. And and by the way, what what will absolutely on that? Also, what would be showing through emails? She famously did not really lift a finger. That's right. When it wasn't just oh, we feel kind of unsafe. I mean, there yes. was really physical abuse. Yes. Jewish students were saying, "I am afraid to leave my room." Yeah. Um. So and. We, you know, anyone following the news remembers it took her a very long while to actually say anything was wrong. Um, and they did allow the pro-Palestinian movement. That, that's what it was. They allowed those students to have the upper hand and Jewish students were kind of cowering at that time. That is, I'm sorry, that is really how it played out. And so I think this idea that they now do not want chains of emails released to the Congress. Um, mm. We'll see that it, that yeah. is not, you know, that's the U S Congress. And when they subpoena, they can withhold funds. Um, so we'll see how this plays out. But I, and I think it wasn't just her, you have an administration and remember John, when she was essentially, you know, looked like she was about to get dethroned. There was a lot of professors that stood yes. by her side. So she, it's not just her, it's an entire, no. as you're right, there's a whole culture it there is. that has gone that route. Um, and it, they were like pro-Palestinian, but it's one thing to have that opinion. It's another thing to allow the students to almost be like wildly, um, you know, racing around the, the campus and like really harassing and bullying um, all those other students. So uh, yeah, that's Donna where that's yeah. Another story in uh, Massachusetts, Governor Maura Healy now says the new overflow shelter for migrants is going to be Fox Point. <laughs> I obviously want to hear your thought, but I think, you know, the governor, she, she really should take a hard look at what just happened on the University of George campus. When you have people that should not be here, that guy shouldn't have been here. Uh, that was a young, beautiful 22-year-old nursing yep. student who was murdered out for a, a midday jog, 12.30 in the afternoon, and then killed like that. The uproar that is there, I think a lot of these politicians, and they happen to be Democrats, but you, 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 know, you could seal your own fate. If you want to continue to go, you are really you know, um, kind of throwing caution to the wind to allow these, these sanctuaries to be set up. Because bottom line is Governor Healy as much as they think we have to help these people, they, they truly don't know who these people are that they're letting in. No, you're right, John. And, and again, you're right. Like this would be in Fort Point is, is by the way, it's not even a neighborhood. It, it no. is a, it's like a commerce center. Yeah. Um, it is really a jewel for Boston. It's become one of the hottest tourism sites. And, oh, there's a lot of pushback, both her and Michelle Wu, like John, they, <laughs> This is um, and the fact that this is now getting delayed and they don't they just don't want that headline yet. I think that there is and there should be significant pushback of the, the problem for Massachusetts uh, the way I, is only going to keep growing, too, because yes. it seems like the problem with the whole migrant, you know, um, situation, the more a state accommodates, John, the, the more migrants are going to come. hundred percent. You know, they're looking Word for places out. to yeah. land. Uh, that is not a place for them to land. Um, no, you're a magnet. And and I do want to make one comment, if I can, about the, you know, the University of Georgia, like this killing, and this is a little bit bubbling up in some of the reporting, um, and, and nobody wants to say this. There is a culture clash, because there's not supposed to be that anymore. John, there's a culture clash when yes. you have young males from certain Latin American countries, yep. and you have westernized American females who, and, and people are, are starting to talk about this. Yes, they go out in jogging clothes and exercise yes. clothes, and, um, and no one here is not used to that, and no one You're looks right. at that. It's a, so I think, though, the problem, and it's a very dangerous um, you know, clash, because you do have 
young males from certain cultures there, John, they would not be used to that. They don't no. grow up with that. Yeah. Um, they are in more conservative cultures. And then they're here and they're meeting westernized, Americanized young yeah. women, live they independently. They jog. They're out her. at night. You know, oh, she was trying God. to defend herself. She fought back. I'm sure she hit him or punched him and he killed her. Yeah. So, but I mean, that's the type of individual. And then it's a huge story, yeah. obviously, in the state of Georgia. I think it could end up being a Willie Horton type effect on the campaign. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Donna Perry right here on the John DePietro Show. Speaking with independent columnist, opinion maker, it's Donna Perry. Well, DJ, he's 4-0, the big guy, President Trump <laughs> now. New Hampshire, Iowa, yeah. Nevada, South Carolina. Uh, the media, as much as everyone keeps taking swings, Nikki Haley is the last one standing. I think some of the money is going to start to dry up. I, you know, it, it, it does. I think it has surprised everyone, but he, he is, he is the champ. He continues to win and just want to get your thoughts on as president Trump just continues to move closer to the nomination. Yeah. I mean, you have to say, you have to say, talk about rise from the dead and go. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I don't think there's, there's now no question that he's essentially going to, you know, shore up and, and really wrap up the not the delegate count. They feel like certainly this is going to happen in March. Super right. Tuesday's around the corner, March 5th. Um, and, and you do see um, that that with Haley, John. I, I think the problem is she's she is at a stone brick wall at this point. Yeah. I mean, to, I think to just continue to think your argument is he can't win against Biden. He like it's hard to continue to make that sounds almost silly at this point when the, he's racking up wins and he's yeah. winning in huge margins. I will say it was remarkable. There's no other way to say it to see, you know, against her, a former two term governor of yeah. her own state um, and she loses like two to one it wasn't yeah. even like he was you know stumbled over the finish line john with like one county he managed to get ahead so you know people did say oh south carolina is trump country but hey she's a republican and she had That's been right. the governor so there's a lot something else really at work here um the only thing i would note and i do think you're going to start seeing um I, I would say there's going to be trouble in the water between him and the larger Republican Party. Um, yep. And people might think, no, he's got the whole thing wrapped up. The Everyone who is a Republican is with Trump. That's not actually true. And every there's a big country and not every state has voted. Now, you know, d despite her side saying that, um, it's kind of not going to matter. He's about to to wrap it up from that perspective. Um, but I, we did just note there is some, I would say there's caution lights about the next step. And that is him now has figured out a lot of stuff that they did not know, you know, right. four or eight years ago. He's run a good campaign. Yeah. Tight, no leaks. The problems he seems to run into is when he goes off script, like he did with the black audience and he starts right. saying, and they all wear my mugshot. Other than that, he, he's run a very disciplined campaign. Donna Perry, would you also say that, and I think it's interesting, but if, if the election is about on a referendum on Biden, it would seem that Trump wins. If, if, the, if this is a referendum on Trump, then Biden wins. But I just don't see any evidence, as much as the media and the Democrats are, are trying, to me, this will be, the election will be a referendum on the current occupant of the White House. I, I would agree. And yeah. I think he, despite, you know, again, as you say, that, you know, the media is almost kind of getting hysterical with itself about <laughs> what they know, what they're witnessing. Right. Um, Biden, John, is in far weaker shape. And I don't just yeah. mean that physically. Um, the polls are the polls. And, yeah, they go up and they go down. But he is not really appearing that he's going to be able to put up much of a match. And I would say. Um, that a more seasoned Washington savvy Trump and a Washington savvy Trump and his campaign, to be fair to them, John, they went in, they didn't know, really know much of how everything right. operates. Correct. I would say he should be much more feared now. I mean, they yes. know what they're doing. And I want to just mention, and that is what is going on over the RNC. 
Um, and, and that whole side of things is where I would look for some pushback, which has a little bit begun. Um, and, uh, Hen- you know, they mentioned Henry Barber, who's the son of the well-known uh, legendary Haley Barber, who was a, a big, you know, very powerful chair and got a lot of people elected in his time. That's the, that's the one thing I'm going to say, though, J.D., that we will see how this begins to play out, because I think. Go ahead. I was going to say, I I just I also think, though, you know, for years now, we've been hearing it's an open border. There's a problem at the border. Harris wouldn't do anything about it. I I think when you have a very high profile murder, which we just saw take place in Georgia and then, uh, you know, the governor of Texas putting them on the buses, putting them in New York. We know New York is the media capital, whether it's ABC, NBC, New York Times, Wall Street Journal. No one can ignore all of these well over 100,000 people now in the city, the mayor of New York saying it's unsustainable. I just think it, it is all kind of come together. That is yeah. an issue he's very strong on. And as much as Biden now is trying to run to get a deal, I, I think it's a day late, dollar short. And and as we have talked about, Donna Perry, the, the issue, it, it's not, you know, the economy is not great, but it's not that. It's you look and there is a, faltering older man and he's just not up to the job and he may be stubborn and they feel they can get him over the finish line but no one else seems to believe that i'll give you the final word right and i would also say the mora healy's are going to find out even in very liberal massachusetts there's also a great sense of unfairness about the migrants being given prepaid debit cards oh let us help you into the school the whole thing john and and i think that resentment by the public could end up being Trump's biggest winning card because, and that the Democrats just have ignored it. And now is now. So I, I would agree. I think the migrant crime and the resentment um, is, is where Trump is really shoring it up by the way, across many uh, demographics. Yeah. So uh, we shall Folks, see. again, she is independent columnist, opinion maker. It's Donna Perry. DJ, great job as always. And we'll talk to you again. Great to be with you. All your oil needs, make it Henry Oil. Call Henry Oil today, 401-521-0200. Reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. Call Henry Oil today. Fuel oil, diesel, gasoline delivery it's henry oil residential commercial fuel oil delivery since 1947 they also have budget plans service contracts lack lock and cap pricing you can depend on henry oil call them today 401-521-0200 serving most of rhode island and southeastern mass we got a long way to go with winter make sure that tank is filled Call Henry Oil today, 401-521-0200. Henry Oil, a local, family-run business since 1947 that you can depend on. For all your oil needs, call Henry Oil today, 401-521-0200. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, as we have talked about, covered extensively, Clearly, people are concerned, and for good reason, with the situation with the bridge, the uh, 195 Washington Bridge. Well, now, and I want to credit NBC10, they're highlighting that there are also essentially problems on 95 North, right at the Cranston Line, right at the Elmwood Avenue overpass. And for seemingly very good reason, people are concerned about that. And now that they're checking these other bridges that potentially also are structurally deficient. So let's go to the uh, story, NBC 10. Now, Governor McKee, uh, basically in hiding at this point, uh, not making himself available. But let's pick up the report from Channel 10. 100,000 people driving on I-95 use this bridge to cross over Elmwood Avenue each and every day and taking a look at some of this visible damage. It's not hard to understand why the state rated it as being in poor condition. Underneath the traffic on I-95. It's horrible. 
There are countless cracks in the concrete holding up this bridge over Elmwood Avenue. It's under the bridge. We don't know what's going on under the bridges. We just go over the bridge. I'm no engineer, but that looks pretty bad. Built in 1965, it's now one of the most traveled, structurally deficient bridges in Rhode Island. It was last inspected February 15th, and its condition is rated as poor. This looks very, very dangerous and very bad. I'm not a specialist, but that's very bad. They should shut that down. A little dangerous. You know, but uh, you got to go, you got to go. Rhode Island drivers say they unfortunately aren't surprised. It's a crapshoot. You don't know which bridge you're going to get. You don't know which bridge is uh, out of control or not under control. So, yeah, I'm, I travel with my daughters. They're young, so it's uh, a little nerve-wracking. The bridge is open with no restrictions in place. Rideout says design work on a replacement will take place this year with construction scheduled for 2025. I'm sure the government, uh, they know what they're doing. If it's 100% not safe, they, they, they will shut, shut it down. Over the last eight years, Rideout has fixed or replaced 270 bridges like this under the Roadworks program, bringing the number of structurally deficient bridges down from 26% to 14%. In Providence, Gabrielle Caracciolo, NBC 10 News. You know what's interesting about that is <clears throat> um, people's confidence I think you would agree. People's confidence in this McKee administration, what bridges are safe, what bridges are not safe, um, it, the the confidence in basic things like infrastructure or roadways has totally been eroded. Uh, those individuals, now those are just some people that NBC10, in putting together the story, they they probably were just people in and around the bridge. Hey, you know, can I talk to her for a few minutes? That type of thing. And um, not knocking the report in any way. But there are people now that are starting to realize that it's not just the Washington Bridge 195. So now notice, as I mentioned, Governor McKee, he had a press briefing last Wednesday. He then left Thursday for the National Governor Association meeting in Washington, D.C. So Governor McKee was out of state Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Came back, whenever he came back, Sunday. But yesterday had no public events. Today, uh, he has none scheduled for Tuesday. So it'll be a full week. And this is at a time that the state is basically operating in crisis mode. Now, they continue to push this whole Team Rhode Island nonsense and i think it is just a lot of nonsense i don't think people are buying into it um and he's he's really going you know full blast on this whole team rhode island thing but i don't i don't think it fits because people certainly don't feel like they're part of a team um it it feels like the coach is not being transparent with everyone it feels like that there's a lot more going on and we're just not being told exactly what is happening um, with different parts. And when you start to, I would argue, I think Governor McKee is in very dangerous waters here. When you, when you people lose confidence in things, like I said, like basic infrastructure, where they don't feel confident going over a bridge, I believe you have real problems. Now, with this Team Rhode Island, Governor McKee, they did release a video of this person named Nicole. I want to play some of it. I am currently a licensed journeyman electrician for IBEW Local 99, working at the Port of Providence on offshore wind turbine components. I joined the apprenticeship program in 2016, and a big part of that was I discovered that I was not being paid as much as uh, men were in similar positions. I wanted to change gears. I wanted to maybe work with my hands, do something really tangible. And by going union, I was able to do that in a, in a way that would guarantee me equal pay for equal work. I've been kind of like a, like a tree hugger for most of my life. It's been something I'm passionate about for a long time because we only have one planet. Fossil fuels are finite, and what's left is becoming harder and harder to extract, whereas, like, you can't turn off the sun. 
it makes sense to continually invest in those technologies. As the investments happen, everything will become more efficient and less expensive and easier to produce. It creates jobs. This is my line of work. We need to do things differently if we want different and better results going forward. I think it's really cool to be uh, considered Team Rhode Island, especially as a transplant to Rhode Island, a non-native Rhode Islander. And so to be kind of like officially tapped by the governor as, as one of the team, is, it's fun, it's cool. And for me, I think what that means is solidarity at, a, at the state level. Um, we're in it together to succeed as individuals, as families, as communities. Um, so I'm, I'm here to, to do what I can. Now, again, and then it says at the end, Team Rhode Island. I, I don't understand exactly what's going on. Uh, those are all, that, that sounds like an advertisement for the union is what it sounds like. And it's all just, you know, one under one umbrella. So I, I don't, I really don't understand the priorities here. They're continuing this. They're trying to sell us on this whole thing. So all those jobs, offshore wind, they're all unionized, um, which would just make it that much more difficult for businesses to operate. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. AJ, drywall, plaster, home improvement. Call them today for a free quote. You can also find them on Facebook, 401-323-9252. 323-9252. AJ, drywall, plasters, home improvement, frame to finish basements. What a difference it'll make in your basement. Acoustic ceilings. Look how beautiful your ceiling could be. New homes, additions. Also, commercial rehabs, painting, remodeling. Contact them today. It's a family-run business. AJ Drywall Plaster Home Improvements. Call for a free quote. What a difference they'll make in your home, your ceilings, floors, basements. 401-323-9252. What a difference. Beautiful walls and ceilings. 401-323-9252. You can also find them on Facebook. It's AJ Drywall Plaster and home improvements for your home or business. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Well, there they were on Saturday. If you log on to DePietro.com, a group showed up on Saturday, and of all places, outside the Cumberland Library. Library. And there's a number of them, predominantly men seem to be some young women there as well all young and they have some flags and they called pine and they stood outside the cumberland library now this panicked a lot of people and again you can read the story see the photos on depetro.com and there's a couple things about this that i i just want to mention now this group of which some people and members of the media, by the way, were causing panic and saying that they were armed Nazis that were showing up there. Well, they're not. Um, Pine, apparently, according to brochures they hand out, is the People's Initiative of New England. Grassroots effort uh, advocate for advance the interests of New Englanders. So I, I think this is kind of like a white supremacist group. New England is the whitest region in north america um who's behind it and i you know i i don't know what they also have a five-point program pine again it stands for people's initiative new england so white homeland sovereign state um pursue policies supposedly that are pro-family why do you wear masks they cover their face Due to the hostility surrounding the political climate, some of the volunteers utilize face to protect families' livelihoods from potential attack by Antifa terrorists and other groups. Now, you certainly don't have that uh, here in, in New England. Is it racist? They also have in their brochure. We are advocating for our people, our people not taking anything away from other groups. We don't believe New Englanders should be ashamed of their history uh what are your goals we're promoting a five-point political program um, again this is all on their literature so but let me just touch on this now first of all there was a member of the media that shared this business of neo-nazis and it's a rally and they're 
they're armed, which is very, very dangerous. It was actually the Rhode Island Painters Union, armed mass neo-Nazis. Now, where that's really dangerous is what if Cumberland police or some law enforcement agency saw that? Um, anyone that, you know, has followed when we cover a lot of the police scenes, the scene changes dramatically if there's a weapon introduced. So what I mean by that is there's a big difference of there's a disturbance. There's a huge difference that then takes place if a weapon is displayed. If somebody pulls out a knife or let alone a gun, that really changes the dynamic. That ups the number of police that go and how they behave at the scene is greatly altered. Now with this group, do I support this group? No, I don't. I think it's actually kind of, I think it's silly. And most of the time, these types of groups I, I, they're social misfits. They haven't accomplished. They're not accomplishing anything. Uh, maybe they find by doing this, they're able to recruit some members. I think it's interesting. Interesting. There was some, some girls that were there because normally it's guys that, you know, have never been on a date, never kissed a girl. I certainly have no success in business of any kind. And so they find camaraderie in a group like this. And there's a couple of groups out there like this. You see the, uh, I think the name of it is Patriot 131. They marched on the Boston Common, caused havoc. They have the uh, Neck Gordier. And then you ha have, there's a group called um, 131. And they do the same thing. So number one, I have a problem with the people that cover their faces. Now, not all of them had their faces covered, by the way. I'm The photo I'm looking at I don't know what to make of this whole thing. But but let me say this about the people that are condemning them. And that is, in our society, there, there's, there's no indication that there was any violence. There's certainly no indication that they were armed. The police, the Cumberland police, they're not going to allow a group of young men with weapons out standing there at at the Cumberland Public Library. Would I want a group like that outside of my library if I was going in or if I was going there with children or my children? No, of course not. I don't think it fits. I don't think it belongs there. However, if we're going to have, which we allow, we allow peaceful protests. They didn't seem to be truly causing any violence. They didn't seem to be harassing anyone. It's, it's a little unsettling. Someone said to me, this is like the KKK. Not really. They're not in costumes. They may be had their face covered. I, I don't like it, but much like, you know, I don't think there should be people on the streets that we've had supporting Hamas. Uh, we shouldn't have the people that are the, I, I don't like the people that are the communists and the socialists. I, I don't like the, you know, the BLM crowd is far more violent. We had some Antifa activity in this area, the summer 2020. I, I haven't seen any. And I say that as someone that would come face to face with them. So I'm not sure what to make of that. But if we're going to allow, which we do, in in our country, you, you are allowed to peacefully gather and stand there. It's my understanding. I don't think they were making a lot of noise. They weren't doing anything obscene. And so for the media, they're going after them. I think if you're going to go after them, you have to go to after all of them. Now, as someone that many times follows or covers many of these different types of groups, I mean, it's not even close. When I, in, back in October, when I covered that protest, 800 Hamas supporters and chanting death to the Jews. Now, to me, and there, and there were problems, and there were arrests. Now, to me, they are far more dangerous than, uh, 50, it looked like 15 people maybe total standing on a hill at the Cumberland Library. And I also want to touch on the, the people I posted this on both Facebook and Instagram. You know, there are people posting feds. Those are the fit like that. That is embarrassing. You actually think that. Oh, yeah. The FBI. They're at the Cumberland, Rhode Island Library on a Saturday. First of all, none of the, the people standing there would ever qualify to be an FBI agent and or a police officer. Um, for people to actually think that is it's it's embarrassing. I don't know how else to say it. I think they're embarrassing, and people say someone put they are paid Democrat actors. You think that's where they would put their resources? 
outside the Cumberland Library. Feds. Those. Oh, yeah. That's the, the FBI is standing outside posing as a white supremacy group outside a library in Cumberland, Rhode Island. If you think that, you, you, you need your head examined. I, I don't know what to make of people that actually would believe that. Ludicrous. No, no. It's social misfits looking to belong, and they have found themselves together in this group. That's what this is. Again, you can see the article and photos on DePetro.com. You're listening to The John DePetro Show. Propane Plus. Call them today. Heating and cooling in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, 508-252-3359 for Propane Plus. Three generations you can always depend on Propane Plus for all your heating and cooling. Call them today, 401-885-4209. Three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they're going to serve you for a very long time. They have a great user-friendly website. You just log on at propaneplus.com, and then you type in your zip code, residential, commercial, Propane Plus, heating and cooling, always there for you. Give them a call today. In Rhode Island, 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. The Johnson family, three generations, heating and cooling. You can always depend on Propane Plus. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, folks, especially as things are getting closer to the November election, it's uh, interesting to see some of the groups that either are or not with, in fact, President Biden. Now, a very important group to watch are these United Auto Workers. And joining us right now, the National Right to Work Committee, President Mark Mix. And Mark, how do things look for the Biden administration, especially union uh, support as we're getting closer to November? Biden and about his reelection, because if you're a rank and file union member and you've watched what he's done, his policies have actually damaged the, the potential for rank and file union members across the country. However, if you're a union official and you run the Teamsters Union or you run the United Auto Workers Union or you run the AFSCME or the uh, SEIU, you're all in for Joe Biden. And that means that union money is probably all in for Joe Biden as well. And, you know, the interesting part about this is that rank and file workers, uh, when you talk to them on the street and when when survey and pollsters talk to them they have uh, they have support for Donald for Donald Trump for re-election um, uh, to the presidency so uh, if you're a union member you're a little bit nervous I think but if you're a union official you're all in for Joe Biden now tell us a little bit this is interesting what happened in Tennessee Mark if you don't mind telling us what happened in Tennessee well, in, in Tennessee, uh, we've got the United Auto Workers Union uh, trying to organize the Volkswagen plant again. They've tried twice back in 2014 and 2019 and lost both elections. And they're trying to – this time the union has a new strategy because the National Labor Relations Board uh, it ruled on a case called Semex back in August of 2023 that basically said there are no longer going to be secret ballot elections when it comes to union certification, that card check majorities will be accepted and <clears> – <throat> What will happen under this new precedent established by the board is that the union can come into an employer and say, hey, I've got a majority of members of your employees that have signed a card saying they want to be in the union. And right now, under current law, under a Supreme Court decision in 1974, I think called Linden Lumber, the employer had the right to say, you know what, I think our employees deserve a secret ballot election. And that's the most preferred, according to the Supreme Court, that's the preferred way of deciding whether or not workers want to be in the union is give them privacy when they vote so that all the rhetoric and all of the pressure and all the intimidation that may have happened leading up to this um, can be washed away with a secret ballot election. Well, the NLRB ruled that that's no longer acceptable and that a card check, when presented to an employer, it's now the employer's responsibility to go to the NLRB and ask for an election. And they have to do that within 10 days, 10 business days. And if they don't, then it's very likely that the board will say, okay, the union is certified and you now must bargain with the union. But even then there's a hook. The employer can exercise that, that responsibility now under the new precedent saying, okay, I'm coming to you. 
I would like a secret ballot election. And John, believe it or not, the NLRB can decide, you know what? We think that because you have done certain things in the workplace and the unions have complained about unfair labor practice charges, whether they have anything to do with unionization or not, and they believe that you violated the laboratory conditions that need to exist in order for union certification, they can impose, they can deny the employer the election and impose a union and say, now you must bargain and recognize the union as a representative of your employees. It's outrageous. It's wrong. It's going to be challenged. It's being challenged in federal court, but that's going to take you know, years potentially, John, to solve that. Folks, again, we're speaking with Mark Mix, National Right to Work Committee president. And Mark, I think this meeting that apparently took place with uh, Sean O'Brien, people may remember, he, he got a lot of headlines where you had that member of Congress who was fantastic that said, you know, let's go right now. We're ready to go at it. But he, uh, their meeting with, with, with President Trump and him claiming that the right to work is the top political issue, this is something yeah. to watch. Yeah, John, that's really flattering. I mean, you know, they, they have a meeting with the former president. They're talking politics. They're talking issues. And when they come out and, and face the media after that meeting, you know, one one reporter asked Sean Fain or excuse me, Sean O'Brien, Sean Fain's the UAW, Sean O'Brien's the Teamsters, say, what's the most important issue to you to you and what do you discuss the most? They said the right to work issue. And then when they asked two rank and file workers that were there, they said, what's the most important issue? They both looked at each other, shook their head and said right to work. So employee pensions, employee pay, working conditions. Nothing matters more than the ability to force workers to pay union dues in order to get to keep a job. I mean, while I'm flattered by the fact that the work that we do here at Right to Work is so is that important, um, I'm stunned that a union official representing whatever he claims to represent would say the most important issue to the Teamsters Union is to force workers to pay union dues or fees in order to get or keep a job. That's outrageous. Yeah, no one's ever, um, though, accused uh, someone like like Sean O'Brien of being, uh, you know, the smartest guy in the room. Mark Mix of uh, the National Right to Work. Mark, how can people learn about this and more? Well, John, first of all, thank you for your interest in the issue. This is by listening to you, they can find out more, but they can find us on that amazing internet at www.nrtw.org. That's our a litigation, that's our foundation, our Legal Defense Foundation. If they're interested in legislation and what's happening in Rhode Island or the Northeast or Congress or whatever, they can go to our committee website at nrtwc.org, nrtwc.org. Mark, again, keep up, you know I'm a fan. Keep up the great work and we'll talk to you again. Appreciate you, John. Thank you. AEP Services. They take great pride installing fences of all kinds, vinyl, wood, aluminum, chain link, experience, quality, integrity. Call AEP Services today for a quality fence, home or business, 401-228-7190, 401-228-7190. Residential fence, commercial fence, steel, wood guard, rail, they have it all. Beautiful aluminum product, decorative landscape, it adds a lot to it for your stunning property. Call the experts today, AEP Services, 401 228 7190 residential or commercial why not enjoy your backyard a little privacy or maybe keep a pet or young children inside remember they also have fences they're resilient water resistant call today 401-228-7190 free quote aep services the fence experts 401-228-7190 you're listening to the John DePietro Show. Check out DePietro.com. We have the story where ICE flagged someone that had been released out of court. Now, Governor McKee, I want to credit Channel 10, uh, excuse me, Channel 12. Channel 10 won't do the story, uh, I think because of an agreement they have with Governor McKee. But Channel 12 is all over it, and they have an update. And the governor now is using uh, what I believe is just a, a stall tactic that he uses but it has to do with this illegal that was released. So let's give uh, credit. Channel 12, this is a story involving State Senator Jessica De La Cruz. Let's pick it up. We're um, now they're getting reaction from the Governor McKay. The suspect who is a Rhode Island, who a Rhode Island judge released on bail last year despite opposition from prosecutors. Court documents show he is 38-year-old Manuel Garcia De La Cruz, and he is currently in ICE custody awaiting a hearing before a federal immigration judge. 
Governor Dan McKee responding for the first time after Attorney General Peter Narona and Senate Minority Leader Jessica De La Cruz both said the McKee administration needed to answer questions about the Manuel Garcia De La Cruz case. So we're working through the details on whether that's even an accurate scenario, right? On Friday, ICE leaders criticized Rhode Island officials for releasing De La Cruz when he posted bail last April, even though ICE had issued a detainer notice for him. The governor says the head of the Department of Public Safety, Rhode Island State Police Colonel Darnell Weaver is still looking into what happened, hoping that in the next 48 hours he'll have a clearer picture of the sequence of events that led to Dela Cruz's release. And I would not speculate on anything until we hear that that actual uh, timeline, and then we'll uh, make comment on. Uh on any of the speculation that's going on right now, whether it's accurate or not. In 2014, then-Governor Lincoln Chafee set a new policy directing the Rhode Island Department of Corrections not to honor federal immigration detainers without a warrant. A department spokesperson tells 12 News the ACI, quote, still follows the principles and procedures established in that policy. But he went on to say that Dela Cruz was in the custody of the Rhode Island Division of Sheriffs when he was released following the judge's decision to grant bail. Now, the Department of Public Safety and the state judiciary have so far declined to comment. Live in studio, Lauren Brill, 12 News. Now, the fact of the matter is um, I'm more anxious to hear where Governor McKee is going to come out of this, meaning what, what is the governor going to say about the policy? And that policy needs to it, – it can't stay the way it is. So now I know there are various people that are trying to blame other people um, – in the system but this comes down to i i want to see whether or not the governor is going to stand by this policy that chafee put in motion with it where they don't and we so far we have no reason to believe that he's not going to continue to abide by this chafee policy i think it's interesting the governor almost kind of um scoffs at the allegations that ice is making so as if he has disdain for them. Uh, they were clearly frustrated with what what took place here, and they have a reason to be. And when you think about it, I mean, they're a, a national agency, and they're not getting receiving, and they're not receiving cooperation w within f within the state. So think about that. Think how outrageous that is. I also, I think, you know, they, they, they totally overstepped their bounds. So, and Governor McKee, now he's directing his, uh, the state police. Now, I want to see how long this is going to take. Now, they're saying within 48 hours. Now, in the past, if Governor McKee said, oh, it's going to be a state police investigation, that meant, you know, good luck. Let's see how long this is going to get dragged out. But... He's, you know, he's saying within 48 hours, that brings us to maybe Friday they give the answer. Maybe it drags into the new week. But you didn't hear the governor talk about that he's outraged by it. You didn't hear Governor McKee saying that type of thing shouldn't happen. You didn't hear it. You know, you didn't hear anything like that. You didn't hear the governor saying, you know, we have to stop this type of thing. We have to protect children or nothing remotely close to that. And as I have it up on petro.com you know ice was was very outspoken this guy shouldn't have been let out that policy that chafee enacted Ramundo kept it it happened 10 years ago governor mckee if he chose to he could revoke that policy he could revoke that policy and say we're no longer going to follow that from now on we're going to do a b and c and or I know some people seem to say, well, you know, the legislature could, but notice the the, the bully pulpit. Um, I'm a big believer in that. How is it used? How is the bully pulpit used? Meaning, how does he use the office of governor? You, now, don't hold your breath on Lieutenant Governor Matos stepping forward and saying, I think we need to uh, revise this policy. I mean, that clearly is not going to happen. But Governor McKee, all right, he says 48 hours. That should be should be. By the end of the week, that we should get an idea of how this happened, that someone with an ice detainer instead was released. And I thought uh, Attorney General Pina Norona, I thought his criticism of the governor, I think it was right on the money. 
Governor McKee, I know some people feel he gets blamed. You're in charge. You got to take charge. I think the job is too much for him, but let's see how this one plays out. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. For all your tree needs, call Yankee Tree today. The tree trimming experts in Lincoln call Yankee Tree at 401-439-6028. Whether it's tree removal, stump grinding, tree pruning, emergency service, bucket truck service, even bobcat service, you can depend on Yankee Tree. Remember, 24-7 emergency services available. They are fully insured, licensed arborists. Yankee Tree. With all these storms, don't let some dangerous branches fall onto your home or business. Call Yankee Tree today, 401-439-6028. The tree trimming experts in Lincoln, you can depend on Yankee Tree Service. Call them, 401-439-6028. Free quote, 24-7 emergency service, Yankee Tree Service. There when you need them, 401 401- 439-6028. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Lunch, dinner, drinks in the lounge, especially this time of year. So much going on. They always have a nice crowd right there. Full bar, large dining area right there in the lounge easy to get to whether it's lunch or dinner a great meal is waiting for you at the lodge pub and eatery think of this since 1994 that's right celebrating the big anniversary this year i'll see you at the lodge pub and eatery 40 breakneck hill road in lincoln it's my health 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. Stop in and see Marie, that historic white church. Shop local, inside, all quality products, vitamins, herbal remedies, trusted companies. They understand quality, integrity. It's my health. It's all about your health. Local products. I say ye. Honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. You know, they carry over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce plus box herbs and teas, hemp and CBD products, and much more natural skincare products. Stop it and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. It's all about health for you, for your family. There's vitamins for children, all different types of teas, all different types of spices. Boy, what a difference it'll make. Shop local. Stop it and see the queen of health. It's Marie and It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant, right in that historic white church. It's all about health. It's all about your health at It's My Health. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Folks, I always tout our website just because it has exclusive stories and video it has links to on the scene live stream remember there's no vo- uh, vowel i it's d-e-p-e-t-r-o.com dpetro.com you can also reach me that way if you'd like to get in touch with me dpetro.com log on and then links to facebook and youtube everything we have it's all waiting for you right there at the website 